0: Okay, back to podcast, podcast, John chapter number six, John chapter six in the word of God, and uh, it's been a good week, good day in Jesus, and uh, I am so, so very grateful for uh, this morning and all that God's done for us Wednesday nights have uh, also been a blessing and a privilege. Uh, the lord's just been so good and um, glad god hears and answer our prayers uh, john chapter 6 uh, just enjoy uh, the going through the word of god've endeavored to teach through every book of the bible um i'm probably probably halfway there i'm talking about over my lifetime and of course some of it Uh, I have covered, you know, prior to, uh, prior to Bethany, um, been through the New Testament several times, just as teaching, now reading is a different story, obviously, you know, we've read through the Bible many times, but um, teaching through it, teaching through it, and um, I, I but I, I don't want to do it just in, in complete um, mechanicalism, do, to do it just to be doing it. I want to do so in an effort to help. So sometimes, well, I've, I've obviously talked through John before in my ministry years ago, but I felt like it would be highly beneficial to everyone uh, to do so now uh, for you, so we're in John 6, um, we'll probably go to an Old Testament book, uh, next time, and, uh, not sure what direction, uh, really, Isaiah would be a great book, Isaiah, Jeremiah, any of those, uh, but anyway, let's get through John, John 6 is a very, very long chapter, uh, we'll not get through this, um, in this recording in fact it may be three recordings uh john 6 is actually uh 71 verses 71 verses long so we're going to start and see how far we can get tonight and then we will um we'll continue wednesday if we don't or i'm sorry continue next sunday and then if we don't finish we'll we'll continue the following sunday John chapter 6, this is the, lot goes on here, a lot, he feeds the 5,000, he will walk on the water, uh, in common a storm, and then right after that, he has a bunch of people leave him, amen, you say preacher, Uh, people leave, people leave ministries, people leave preachers, people leave churches, um, Honestly, I, I've never had that happen a lot till, till you know, these years, these days. But um, I will say this. They left Jesus. They left Jesus. And uh, you can never, uh, folks, think carnal people, carnal religious people believe that you can tell the strength of a church uh, based on who comes and who goes when reality is, um You got a crowd that leaves Jesus in this right after he fed the 5,000 and walked on the water. So, let's start. John 6 and verse number 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And the great multitude followed him. So, he's got a great following that he's built up now. Here's why. Because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased so I'm working on a message on just everyday Christianity now I'm not one to throw a lot a lot of stones when I was younger in the ministry I was um and and you know we do need a a good spirit of revival but let me say this A lot of that can appeal to the flesh because people like excitement. People like Super Bowls and people like, they like, you know, concerts and they like events. They like events. And Christianity is not about excitement and events and Super Bowls and concerts. Christianity is about the day. Today, monotonous sometime walking with Jesus through life. It is about being reconciled to the God that created us, uh, being saved, being yeah, back in fellowship with him that we lost uh, at, at, in Adam, and it is about manifesting and fostering that relationship that we have with Jesus. There may be times of excitement. There may be times of miracles. There may be times of Super Bowls. There may be times of of a period of revival. But uh, the reality is, every day, day-to-day, Christianity is what Christianity is all about. It's what salvation is all about. And there's something to be said for that. I am very troubled by folks that... Not troubled, but concerned spiritually. Let me put it like that. Concerned spiritually by people that constantly seek an experience. Constantly seek excitement. Constantly seek uh, Super Bowls and concerts and, and, you know, uh, extraordinary within the Christian realm. It's extraordinary that God can change a sinner. It's extraordinary that he changed your life. It's extraordinary that he saves anyone without all the thrills and bells and whistles. But at any rate, these people, many people, the Bible says in verse number two, followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. So the miracles would bring about a a crowd. They They would draw a crowd. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and, and there he sat with his disciples. So, Jesus, ironically enough, was never wanted a crowd. Now, I'm very happy with our church. I, I'm very happy with it. I'm very happy with where we are with some slow growth, with some pruning. We've lost some uh, because everybody started out excited. But the day-to-day, the week in, week out, the, the going through the battles and the fights, people, people are, aren't up for that a lot of times. And they flame out on you. And so you see a period of pruning. And then after pruning, you, you see slow growth. You see an addition here, an addition there. People being more faithful here, people being more faithful there. These people followed Jesus because of the miracles, and fascinatingly enough, he, he leaves. He doesn't want the crowd. I'll be honest with you. I, as a pastor, and all the spiritual needs represented, I've pastored around 150 people at the max in a small community. Uh, in Ashe County. So that, that was a decent number for a small community. And to be quite frank with you, much more than that, it, it would be difficult to properly handle all the spiritual needs that need to be met within that church. It really would. The Bible is very plain of what the early church did. When multitudes started getting saved, they started breaking off into smaller churches, smaller gatherings. And so the crowd starts following Jesus here. Uh, and he says, you know what? Me and you boys, let's uh, let's go up into the mountains. And let's just sit and let me teach you and let's do some things. Verse 3, John 6. I'm in the Bible. And the Passover feast of the Jews was now. Oh, boys, so now we got a holiday here. We got... The Passover, which is the feast of the Jews, Passover feast coming. Everybody turns up for that, don't they? Human nature is so funny. And not only is it funny, it hasn't changed much. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and he saw a great company uh, come unto him, he said unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? So um, Jesus looks up and he sees a crowd coming. And, of course, people are following him over the miracles. The Bible's already illustrated that, very clear on it. And he looks up and, well, it's potluck supper time. It's homecoming. Everybody likes to show up for homecoming. Everybody likes to show up for a gathering, for a dinner. You know, you're going to feed them, they're coming. You know, like Field of Dreams, if you build it, they will come. Church, if you feed them, they'll come. So... Jesus looks up, he looks over at Philip, he said, "Uh, we probably need to buy some bread so we can feed this crowd. And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. So Jesus is just, he's just throwing this out there to Philip. Jesus knows what he's about to do. The Bible's clear on this, crystal clear. He's doing it to prove, to test Peter. When you see prove in the Bible, it means to test, or not Peter, but Philip. Verse 7, Philip, Philip answered him, and uh, Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. Now, penny worth, uh, the word penny comes from the word denarius, which was equal to a full day's wage. So a penny is is different than what a penny is here in our economy. A penny is the is the lowest um The lowest amount of money you can have. You got one penny, you can't have no less than that, or you got none. But in the Jewish economy, during this time, a penny worth, or a penny, is a denarius, which is one day's wages. So, Philip answers, and he's saying, look, he said, a whole day's wages is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? So Jesus looks around. He says, We need bread. And uh, we got to feed them. They, you know, they, they come for a miracle. And uh, while they're here waiting for their miracle, they want to eat. They're going to want to eat. And they're hungry. Philip looks up, he says, man, he said a whole day's wages wouldn't feed every one of these. And so now Andrew, Peter's brother, he looks around and he sees this kid standing over here. The Bible says a lad. He sees a little lad standing there. And he says, he's got five loaves, two fishes. Now, uh, something significant here. Five loaves and two fish, that's a lot for a lad. So when that little boy left that day, you know, there's a lot of speculation. His mama packed his lunch. He packed his lunch. We, we don't know any of that, anything beyond what we read in the Bible, speculation. But I find it amazing that he's got five loaves of bread. I mean, I don't know many kids walking around with five loaves of bread, two fishes in a basket, But here we have it. Here we are. What is this all about? This is about Jesus putting people in a position to witness a miracle at his own making. And the Lord will do that for us. He will put us in positions to witness a miracle in the making and in the process that he goes about accomplishing. And so, we, we see here, verse number uh, 10, and Jesus said, make the men sit down. So, uh, I, I want to go into several things here. Make the men sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. So, just the men are about 5,000. This is not women and children, too. Just the men. Now the first element of a miracle being accomplished, and you will see this in every single miracle that Jesus accomplishes. You will see one common denominator. Whether it was water over water into wine, whether it was raising a man that had been, uh, you know, by the pool of Siloam for thirty-eight years, whether it was healing a man that was born blind, or here, whether it's feeding 5,000 men, let alone women and children, here is the one single common denominator in every miracle. And I've been preaching this for 20 plus years. Here it is. You ready? It is the obedience of the recipients. How about that? Now, this is not formulaic. This is not a formula to make God do what we want him to do. Far from that. That is not what this, this is teaching. It's not what I'm teaching. A lot of people teach. I, I remember when I had something, I've told you this before, I had something great. Just a tragedy, really, in my life going on. And I, I remember wanting God to work want God to move, God do something. And I had people giving all kinds of advice and, you know. And it got to be very formulaic. You do this, 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 and this, this, then God can move. Well, number one, God can do as he will. He can do as he pleases, when he pleases, how he pleases. However, having said that, Every single miracle that will be accomplished in scriptures at the hand of God will will be done so as a result of the recipients of the miracle and their obedience. So God does it. But I hate to use the word honor when it comes to God towards man because it's not as if God is honoring man But it is as if God acknowledges the obedience of the people. And when he acknowledges their obedience, that paves and clears a pathway for a miracle to be accomplished. So notice what the Bible says. Jesus says, make them sit down. Something simple. It's never hard. It's never difficult. when. When he turned the water into wine, in the first miracle in John chapter two, it was simply fill the water pots up to the, to the brink. fill them up, fill them up. That's it. And you know sometimes what God tells us to do, and and the things we we must be obedient in, they're not really difficult things. Now they can be, that um, they can be challenging things to our flesh to do, but they're, they're usually very simple. I just want to see you sit down. And, you know, usually God asks us to do something very simple. But if it goes against our will, if it goes against what we think and how we feel about the matter then that basically robs God of doing what he desires to do through our obedience and through his desire to accomplish a miracle. So what if these men wouldn't have sat down? Jesus wouldn't have fed the five. He wouldn't have fed them. It starts with this simple command, sit down. Just make them sit down. And Jesus took the loaves when he had given thanks, verse 10 or verse 11, John 6 and 11. Jesus took the loaves when he had given thanks. He distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. And they and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. So there's not a grand gesture here. Not a grand scene. Not a show of the flesh. Not Jesus making a big deal out of it. He just says, sit down. Give me the five loaves and two fishes. And he starts breaking it. And he starts distributing it. And he starts giving it. And before you know it, there's enough to go around. Now, there wasn't some big scene where all eyes were watching him do this great deed. No. It was very simple. It was very subtle. It was without uh, fanfare. It was without a show. It was without excitement. It was without bells and whistles. He just said, "Sit down," and he starts breaking open bread. And then he breaks open more. And he gets through all the first five loaves. And guess what? He's got a sixth. He's got a seventh. He's got an eighth. He's got, and he's got enough all the way up to feeding five thousand people. Bible says when they were filled, so they all eat enough to be filled. He said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. He said, we don't, we're not going to waste anything. But what we see here is enough people were fed. Everyone there was fed and they were fed to their filling. And not only that, there's, pieces laying around that are left that remain that Jesus said pick them up nothing's going to be wasted and lost and so verse 13 therefore they gathered uh they gathered themselves together and they filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth that the prophet might should come into the world. So 12 baskets, what does that mean? Well, we know what it means. Every disciple had a basket too. They did the work. They did the labor. Jesus had the power. They obeyed. The men obeyed initially by setting down. The disciples are, are obeying now by distributing it. And Jesus is is accomplishing it all through his power and through his will. Okay? That's the order of a miracle. All right? The presence and power of God, the obedience of man, and then God doing what he said he would do. Verse number 15. We'll probably get to verse 21. Verse 21, because verse... 22 starts so long. Verse number 15. Now this turns, uh, this is a turning point in in the the ministry of Jesus. And the reason I say that is because in verse 14, the Bible says, Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said this is of a truth that the prophet should come into the world. So they seek the miracle. They start looking around and when they do that they say okay this is it this is the prophecy the prophets in the world the the silent years are over and this is it okay so that's that's what we see here that's what's been accomplished verse number 15 When Jesus, therefore, perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone to make him a king. What does that mean? Well, what that means is Christ waits for his Father's time when he would be made king or when he would be given. So here's what happens this is mankind for you, this is people, this is flesh. They see these miracles. Oh, somebody's feeding us. Somebody's going to take care of our physical needs. Let's make him king. People are no different today. No different today. Now, that being the case, they were no different then. Everybody talks about these days and what people expect these days and what people want to do these days. and, And they want politicians to feed them. They wanted politicians to feed them then. When they seen every one fed, when they seen this great miracle happen, when they seen this great accomplishment, they said, all right, this is him. Let's make him king. He can feed us. He can give us our goodies. He can do these wonderful things for us. And that was never the intent. It will be one day, as I always say, that was not the intent. Jesus simply wanted to, to help, to feed, to get the word of God out. And by the end of the chapter, is going to prove a point. These people want to make him king because of the, the fact that he fed everyone. Now, hang on. Bible says here that when they decided that they were going to make him king, they were going to do that in this instance, that he left again. He departed again into a mountain himself alone. You know, that's my favorite thing. It is. I, I love the beach. I do. But it's rare you're really alone there. But having lived in the mountains, and by the way, it's funny, Jesus would go to the mountains to be alone. And Jesus was rarely alone on the beach and on the coast, but in the mountains. There's all kinds of places where you can go to be alone. Oh boy, let me teach that for a little bit. You know, people don't like to be alone. And I I know we got different natures. I know a lot of people are quote unquote people, people, or a people person. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But you should never depend on other people you should never depend on other people for your spirituality you should never depend on other people for for really to be quite honest with anything but companionship and friendship and you be there for me and I'll, I'll do my best to be a friend and be there for you that's that's it and Jesus makes it a habit and he's he's our he he is our example of all matters of faith and practice. Jesus makes it a habit to go and get along with God into the mountains to just pray, to think. And that's my favorite thing. That's my favorite thing. I don't get to do it as much, you know, between between a church and two jobs. I don't, I don't get to do it as much as I, I like or need, but I like to just go, get in my truck, go to the mountains all by myself and find places, no one else around, and I can get in the mountains and just talk to God. Just pray. Hear from him. That's the example Jesus gives us here. So Jesus is up in the mountain himself alone. And when even was now come, his disciples went down into the sea. So they can't take it. These 12 guys just can't, you know, Jesus up there in the mountain. Who knows what he's doing? He's doing his own thing. He's doing what Jesus does. So they get up. They begin to come down the mountain to the sea. And they entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark and Jesus was not come to them. And we have no idea why they chose to do this. We got no idea why these guys went and got in this ship and what their plan was and where they were going to fish and what they were going to do or, or who knows. They left the mountain, left Jesus alone, which you know that was that was one thing. So they left. They went down into the sea, and then when they did, they got on a, on a ship and they went into uh, the Sea of Galilee here. And the sea arose, okay, verse, verse 18, Bible's clear, verse 17, that Jesus didn't come to them, verse 18, and the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So now the, uh, the, the wind's starting to blow. The wind is the problem. The wind is causing the water, uh, or let me say this, the wind is causing the problem. The water is the problem. If wind's blowing on land, it's not as big of a deal. But when wind's blowing on water, that's a very big deal. Okay? I love this. And the sea rose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about 5 and 20 or 30 furlongs, they saw Jesus walking on the sea. Hmm. What did I just tell you the problem was? The problem was the water. The problem was the sea. The wind is stirring up the problem. The wind is causing the problem. But the real problem here is the sea, the water. and Because if they were on land, they could find some shelter, get in a cave, grab a tree, you know, whatever. You can get away from the wind if you need to. But in this instance, in this instance right here, and this is beautiful. The Bible said that when they had rowed about five and 20 or 30 furlongs, they saw Jesus walking on the sea. Why walk on the sea? The problem is the sea. The problem is the water coming into the boat. The water is the problem is the, the potential of capsizing uh, them. Um, there, there's so many potential problems with the sea here. And Jesus comes out walking on the sea. What does that mean for us? It means I've got the problem under control. I've got your real threat under control. I've got your situation under control. I've got what you're afraid of under control. The, the greatest fear that they would have would be in that water, in the depths of it, turning over, capsizing. So many bad things can happen being, being out here in the middle of the sea. And Jesus walks out signifying to them that I've got the problem under my control when when you read in the bible something is under foot under his feet under their feet when you read that in the scriptures that means that it's under the dominion and the control of the one who has it under their foot jesus is saying i've got your problem i've got your fear I've got your anxiety. I've got your worry. I've got your greatest concern under control. And that's what he wants us to know. And then he says this, verse number 20, but he said unto the, well, it says here, they saw him on the sea drawing nigh to the ship, and they were afraid. They're scared to death. But when he said unto them, it is, I be not afraid. First thing out of his mouth, don't be afraid, boys. This is me. I've got it all under control. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. Jesus got them to the other side. Without loss of life, without problem, without sinking, without any major issue, he gets them to the other side. That's our hope. That's our promise. Jesus has our problem under control. And when he's on our ship running the show, he's letting us know here that I'm going to get you where you need to go. What an encouragement to start your week, end your Sunday. When we meet back on podcast, which should be next week, next Wednesday, We'll start or uh, Sunday. We'll start in. I'm planning on uh, Wednesday night Bible study this week. I We do have a break coming up. I'm not sure if it'll be this week, but I'll you'll I'll let you know ASAP. Uh, we'll start in verse 22, John 6 and 22. Remember, there's 71 verses, so we'll probably have to break it up at least one more time. So I hope you've enjoyed this, John 6 verses one through. Uh, 21, Jesus has your problem under control. Keep him on the ship. Good night. God bless. I love each of you.